16. I, I was praying the other day because I do that. Lately, we've been seeing crazy stuff. A linebacker from Middle Tennessee, I was praying over the phone with him. He had a brain tumor. He was dying and got a text from his coach day before yesterday that went to the doctor and the brain tumor was gone. I was standing in line yesterday about to get on the teacups. Me and Abby, this is my little, my little girl's down here. My, my little sweetheart is right down here and she's my gift from God. We adopted Abby from China. Her first five American words are my daddy has a gun. And uh, she's sitting down here and I told her the other day she's going to be a nun. <laughs> I did. And she said, no, I'm not, daddy. I said, yes, you are because ain't none of them boys coming over. Amen. My family was in the mafia before we got saved. We can still kill people. <laughs> you got to understand, my, my dad was a drug dealer on the streets of Detroit. He got saved when I was five. We still get together at Christmas and watch strobe lights. I mean, it's like... Rrr. Sorry. But I got a text or an email when I was standing. I was about to get on teacups and throw up and... This lady sent me, she said, my son, my, my nephew was listening to your CD or your tape. It was old tape. And she said, and he, his house caught on fire. And the only thing that survived was him and the tape. And she said he would listen to it over and over and over again. See, see, I've met students in other nations that have come up to me and, and told me, they said, Pat, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna die for the cause of Christ. Cause they come from nations where it's illegal to be a Christian. The last few weeks I've seen thousands of students running after God. I'm gonna ask you to listen to this word like you ain't never listened to anything in your whole world. I'm gonna ask you to listen today because there's a fire burning in me and I was, I was praying the other day and I said, God, I just wanna, I just wanna finish the race. I wanna do something great for you. I wanna do it great. And you know what the Lord spoke to me? He said, Pat, He said, Pat, I'm not looking for those that finish the race first. I'm looking for those that can finish the race with a limp called brokenness. And so I've got to share this crazy word. No moving, no doing nothing. you got to go after this with me. Because God began to speak to me. And I've got to share a message called, Is there not a cause? The awaken of the nobodies. I think there's some giant killers in this room. I don't know about you, but... Look at this verse real quick in Isaiah chapter 49, verse 25. Man, I love what Banning brought last night. He built us a fire that we could gather around and uh, Jesus' culture, the anointing that rests on them. And then Josh, who, who, who traveled with me at one point, Josh Mayo, his mom is my spiritual mom, Jeannie, is over there ministering to the leaders. But look what it says in Isaiah 49, and I'm preaching, is there not a cause? And let me just say this. You have the greatest DYD and, and, and that I have ever met in my life, Al Force, Al and Jeannie are God's gift from heaven. They carry a mantle to the nations. This thing is going to grow to 10,000. Somebody give God a praise right now. See, you know what my problem is? My problem is that I have a sleep disorder called revelation. When I go to bed at night, I have dreams. 
I saw this service. Because I want to live somewhere between amen and there it is. And God told me that I'm supposed to call you to his presence this morning. And I want to tell you the altar is going to be open through the whole service. So if any point the Holy Ghost hits you and you need to run up here and fall on your face, you can. And what you got to realize is, I, I want you to get this because, because I love what Billy Graham said. He said, courage is contagious. And when a brave man takes a stand, the spines of others are, are stiffened. What are you talking about, Pat? I hear the I hear the rising of the nameless, faceless generation. The ones that everybody else gave up on. I love it when the nobody's rising. Rise up when the rags in the hand of God stand up and start saying, you can use me. Lord, just use me. God's looking for a remnant, and that's what this convention is about. Somebody praise him for real. Bible says in Isaiah 49, but God says, even if a giant, even if a giant grips the plunder and a tyrant holds my people prisoner, I'm the one who's on your side. Defending your cause, rescuing your children and your enemies crazed and desperate will turn on themselves, killing each other in a frenzy of self-destruction. Then everyone will know that I, God, have saved you. I, the mighty one of Jacob. Is there not a cause? See, I know what it's like for 20 years of ministry. I know what it's like to youth pastor in Tampa. My first funeral I ever preached was... Of a young man that had gotten saved in our youth ministry the night before, a couple days before, and he was walking down the road. You're all a bunch of failures. I know what it's like to stand over the casket of a kid that was walking down the road, got hit by a car, and his dad walk in and throw a beer on his chest in Tampa where you, I was a youth pastor. Nobody cares about you. I know what it's like to wake up every morning and I hear these voices. How could God ever use someone like you? You are worthless. The voice of the giants. The voice saying you'll never be anything. <laughs> you know what it's like? You pastor in Indianapolis and a kid blow his chest You're apart. But a mistake. And I get to the hospital and I'm holding his cold, dead body and the devil <laughs> starts throwing this at me. You're have. a failure, Pat. I've never known anybody that There's was anointed. No for someone like you. That hasn't heard these voices. <laughs> You're hear them all the time. That's why I get up and jog in the morning. Is because I turn worship on and I worship for an hour and I dance before the Lord and I scream and holler because I want my worship to be louder than the voice of the devil. Somebody give God a praise offering right now. I've heard the voice. Too strong for you, I'm too big for you, I'm too well armed for you, I will destroy you. I stood in front of thousands. And I've stood in the back of the stage and I said, Why are you using me? I don't want to do this. And so every person in here that thinks there's no way God could use them because of the voices today. I've got to share a quick message simply titled, Is There Not a Cause? Watch this video and get ready because your world's going to be wrecked. Because by the end of this service, you're going to say yes. Watch.
Is there? Is there not a cause? I heard the voice of the giant when I got off a plane from four years ago from speaking to tens of thousands of students at Spirit West Coast. And at five in the morning, my phone rang and it was the voice of my dad. And he said, your sister died. I drove an hour to the hospital and I kept hearing this voice saying, I got her. But I knew she had given her heart to Christ four weeks before it at my church and prison and drugs. See, I've heard this voice my whole life. The voice of the giant saying you're a failure. You know what I want to tell you? Don't get near the fire if you don't want to hear the voice of the giant. The Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter 17. As he was talking with them, Goliath the Philistine, champion from Gath, stepped up from the lines and shouted his usual defiance. And David heard it. What are you talking about, Pat? You know what I've learned? God always uses the wrong people. All my report card says talks too much, daydreams, very prophetic about my anointing. And... See, I know what it's like to accidentally burn our apartment building down as a kid. It was an accident. I was cooking breakfast. I know what it's like to kill our cat. (laughs) I didn't know it was in the dryer. But cats are from hell, so it doesn't matter. And, yeah. But God always uses the wrong people. He uses the ones nobody else would ever use. It it amazes me. Look at 1 Corinthians 1 verse 26. It says, take a good look, friends, at who you were when you got called into this life. I don't see many of the brightest and the best among you. Not many influential, not many high society families. Isn't it obvious that God deliberately chose men and women that the culture overlooks? And exploits and abuses? Chose these nobodies to expose the hollow pretension of the somebodies and see understand i want to talk about david david represented everything that god couldn't use but i love proverbs 16 9 we plan the way we want to live but god but only god can make us able to live it what are you talking about pat listen to me god is raising up the nobodies The Bible says that Samuel the prophet gets a word from the Lord because God was done with Saul. Saul means desired of by by men. David means hidden. The greater the anointing, the greater the isolation. I've never seen God use anybody that wasn't hidden for a season. The Bible says that David or that Saul had been anointed with a flask. That's man-made. David would be anointed with a horn of oil. That's God-made. Samuel the prophet gets a word from the Lord. He says, I'm done with Saul. You know what my biggest fear is? Listen to me. Listen to me like you've never listened. I was watching worship last night. And I love worship. The problem is I think think sometimes we worship a God we don't pray to. And the Lord spoke this to me. He said, son, your biggest concern should not be whether or not a generation worships. He said, your biggest concern should be whether or not they represent Saul 
Because Saul loved worship because it soothed his demons, but he refused to get free. And when that came to a close, he just picked up spears and threw them at the Davids in his life. And my problem is this. We love worship so much because it just helps us calm. It helps us clean. It helps us feel good. Saul was the same way. He would have David play his harp so the demons would leave him alone. Here's my problem. God has not called you to soothe your demons. He's called you to cast out your demons. And in a generation that loves worship, and we've got spiritual rock stars, what would happen if when the worship starts, we actually listen to what we were singing? See, Saul refused to do that, and God was done with him. So all of a sudden, he tells the prophet Samuel, go to, go, go find a new king. I found a nobody. I found a kid by the name of, of David. He, he's a worshiper. He's one that nobody else would ever choose. And so Samuel, because he's worried about Saul, takes a sacrifice with him, and he goes to the town where David lived, and he called everybody together, and he calls, he calls Jesse in. Jesse was David's father. He's the head of the Sanhedrin. And he says, hey, I'm really here not to make a sacrifice. I just did that to fool Saul But I'm here I'm here to anoint the next king So all of a sudden They bring out All the brothers of David I mean these guys are linebackers They are beasts All of a sudden they all line up And Samuel the prophet Takes the horn of the oil And it's, there was no lid on it It was believed the finger of God was in it And he, he goes walking and, and the Bible says All, all of a sudden he, he gets over the brothers And he's holding it up There's eight of them And and, but there was actually only seven because David was number eight. Eight means new beginnings. And all of a sudden he's holding the oil up. Listen, listen, listen. He's holding the oil up. And he's holding it over the heads of these big beasts, these soldiers. Nothing happens. He says, well, maybe I got my GPS wrong on my camel. I mean, something's up. Maybe I came to the wrong town. I mean, God told me to come here and find a new king. And he said, well, let's try it again. Maybe God's asleep. Well, I have no, nothing happens. First Samuel 16, 7 says, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height for I have rejected him because he thought it would be one of the brothers. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And all of a sudden they send for David. Now who's David? David's mother was a lady named Nitzvah. In fact, understand something. David was an illegitimate child. He was a, uh, a child that, that wasn't really welcome to the family. In fact, his father had had a relationship with a concubine. And so David, that's why he would say in Psalm 69, he would make the statement, I was a stranger to my brothers, a foreigner to my mother's sons. They put gall in my meal and he prophesied Jesus. He said, and they gave me vinegar to quench my thirst. All of a sudden prophet goes hey is there anybody else yeah there's david but he's out in the field because we don't really let him come home much and well i love what samuel said he said well let's stand here until he comes so all of a sudden david comes running in and he's 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 just a ninth grader he's just he's just standing there he said hey dad what do you want prophet said let's try it again I don't think this is him, but all right. And the finger of God slid out and the oil began to flow. 
1 Samuel 16, 13 says, And Samuel took his flask of oil, anointed him with his brothers standing around watching. And the Spirit of God entered David like a wind. You hadn't been in a service till you're standing there and all of a sudden you got your hands raised and all of a sudden, whoo, he hits you. It happened to me when I was 16. I was at a youth camp working in Alabama youth camp as a lifeguard and I was watching a puppet show. That really happened. I got called in the ministry by a puppet. It's weird, isn't it? I tried to find him to support his ministry, but he's in a box. <laughs> I'm, I'm not lying. I really did. It was like the puppet went, go to the nations. I'm like, oh my God, yes. I love you. The Bible says, says Saul... Or Samuel anointed David, all his brothers. Now, I don't know about you, because if I'd been anointed king in front of my brothers, dude, I'd have been looking around at all my brothers who used to pick on me. I'd just be like, off with his head. I'd have walked over to him and said, where's your iPod? I'm the king, give it to me now. All David was good at was leading worship and killing things. In Psalm 78 verse 72 says, David shepherded with integrity of heart, with skillful hands he led them. What did David do? If I was him, I'd been like, give me my throne. What's up? Where's my pizza? And, but the Bible says he went back to the field because just because you're anointed, it doesn't mean it's time. The calling of God without the timing of God results in the absence of God. Why don't I go serve a while? Why don't I go take care of some sheep? Why don't I set some chairs up on Wednesdays? But see, there's a moment that your destiny meets your giant. What do you mean, Pat? For 40 days, Goliath, the Bible says, has been standing out there 40 as a generation. Why do you think he cut the head off Goliath and drug it 41 miles? He went one step further than a generation ever gone. Why do you think he built, he, he buried it in a hill called Gal, Gotha? Why do you think he buried it there? Because it would be the place Jesus would also bruise the head of the devil. And understand Goliath was a seed of Satan. What do you mean? It's because of how giants were made. And what you gotta realize is they took the name Goliath of Goth and they've made Golgotha. And what you gotta understand is Jesus said, I'm about to crucify some skulls. I'm about to take down some thought lives in this place. Somebody give God a praise offering. For 40 days, Goliath's been standing out there going, give me somebody. Now understand, Goliath was a freak of nature. Brother had extra toes and fingers. Alabama needed him last week against LSU, but it's not important. Yeah, Florida's doing good. Karen told me the other day, we were talking, and my wife grew up right here in Winter Haven, uh, grew up in Florida, and, 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 and Karen, Karen told me, we were just like talking, and she said, you know, I was a Florida fan when, when I was growing up, and I'm like, what? Did you just say that? I cried. It's not important. 
Bible says in 1 Samuel 17, 8 through, verse 8, it says, And Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? Are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man who have, and have him come down to me. If he's able to fight and kill me, we will, he will become, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you'll become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistine, this day I defy God. Let me tell you something. There's a voice every time you wake up that says you are a failure. You are a loser. You are a nobody. Don't tell me you can change the nations without hearing that voice it is the voice that rises and comes against the very name goliath in the hebrew the word is galut you big galut look what it says it means ravaging spirits he's 10 feet tall 10 and a half feet tall you know the brother probably had some major psychological issues not being able to fit in sandboxes and you gotta understand he couldn't even take his socks off at spinning eye parties dude you got extra toes Imagine he probably had some anti-giant feelings. When he couldn't buy skinny jeans. I tried to wear skinny jeans one time, but I looked like I, I wanted to be emo for a day. And, and yeah, I just wanted to cry and eat a burrito and tell a poem. And then I tried to put those jeans on and I, I looked like a, a hippopotamus in pantyhose. I'm like... They don't work with love handles. It's like, what's up? In 1 Samuel 17, when Saul and his troops heard the Philistines challenge, they were terrified and lost all hope. Stop, 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 stop. It reminds me of driving through Houston this summer. Karen and I were there speaking. She was speaking at a girls' conference, and I was about to do the South Texas camp. And we're driving down the road, and all of a sudden, I could hear the crying of a baby in our yard. Or, or excuse me, in our in our car. And I'm, I'm on the freeway, the rental car, and we're coming from the airport. Karen's got to speak that night at this ladies' conference, and it was like a hundreds called in ministry that night and 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 all, all of a sudden I, I'm driving down the road and I hear the cry of I hear the cry of a baby in our car and I turn around and I look at the the, the largest plant parenthood building in America last year 300,000 babies and I look around, I'm like, where's that? And I look, and there's the Planned Parenthood. And I heard the cries of babies. See, understand something. They were terrified. They lost all hope. There's, there's giants attacking this generation. That's why I tell you, everywhere we go, students that cut themselves, their scars are disappearing. It's freaking me out. They come running up, and they go, look, look, my scars. They're gone. Reminds me of the number one bumper sticker. I talk about it in the Taken series. is the Coexist bumper sticker. I've seen it everywhere. In fact, Abby saw it on a lady's t-shirt in the airport, and my little Abby walked up to her and said, that's a bad t-shirt. <laughs> I'm like, Abby, come here. I'm going to buy you something. Come on, that's our love language. But I'll never forget when I was doing that taking series for my son to prepare him for college and football and all that, and I thought he was going to go to a secular university because he had these offers all over America. And I started seeing this coexist bumper sticker, and it started ticking me off. I've seen it in Florida. I saw it on a church van. I've seen it in California. I've seen it in Michigan. I've seen it in every state. I saw it in Singapore. I've seen it on an American Idol contestant. She lost! Thank God! But basically it says Islam, Buddhism, science, Judaism, paganism, Wiccan, Christianity. It's all the same. It's that Oprah mentality. We're all on the same journey. We all have the same God. It's a lie. It's a giant lie. 
But I was getting mad. I was getting mad. Listen, listen, I was getting mad because I was studying this bumper sticker. And, and I was getting angry. I was in my prayer room. And I was getting angry. I'm going, God, I hate this garbage. He, and he said, don't get mad. He said, they're preaching my gospel and they don't even know it. I said, what do you mean, Lord? He said, look, son, they started with Ishmael, but they ended with Isaac. He said, look what else they did, son. You can try Islam, Buddhism, science, Judaism, paganism, Wiccan. But sooner or later, everything ends up at the cross because every knee shall bow. They put the cross at the end. Every tongue confesses that Jesus. Why? Then the Bible says in verse 17, meanwhile, Jesus, Jesse tells David, hey, I need you to go visit your brothers. He's already been anointed. He just hadn't gotten a fight yet. Every time David got anointed, he got in a fight. Don't ask God to anoint you if you're not going to go home and do war. You know what I've learned? Your war starts when your father sends you to the battlefield. The Bible says while Goliath was shouting threats, God was sending a weapon named David, a ninth grader, to the camp. He was on a mission. David gathers up. He locks up the sheep. He he does his job because everybody wants to be used. Everybody, I want to preach the stadiums, Pat. I want to preach the nations. Really? Do you pray? Really? How's your thoughts? What do you do in the middle of the night? What's your fingers doing on the keyboard? You worshiping when nobody else will worship? The Bible says and David shows up to deliver supplies. Check on his brothers. These are his heroes. He's got soldier cards of them. And all of a sudden, Goliath is shouting. And in 1 Samuel 17, 23, as he was talking with him, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance. David is sitting around the fire, shouted his usual defiance. And David heard it. David heard it. And whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him in great fear. What are you talking about? Listen to me. That means when worship comes, you can be Saul and soothe your demons or you can get free. God is looking for those that will hear the voice of God over the voice of the giant. God is looking for those It'll stand up and say, God, I want a sleep disorder called revelation. I want to go to bed at night and hear the screams of the lost. Don't tell me you want to shake the nations and you talk trash to your parents. Don't tell me. I don't want to move. And listen, this is about to get intense. The Holy Ghost is about to hit. Don't tell me that. Don't tell me that. You hurt for a generation when you hurt others. And the Bible says David gets ticked off because this giant represented everything that has to change. The thing that makes you the maddest is the thing you're called to conquer. What are you talking about, Pat? The thing that makes you the maddest, it makes me mad as students go to hell. I go to bed at night hearing the screams of those in hell. I know that's crazy, but it happens to me. And, and Matthew 20, or excuse me, 12 verse 30 talks about, it talks about this is war. There is no neutral ground. If you're not on my side, you're on the enemy. If you're not helping, you're making things worse. God says, I am tired of fake Christians that can worship real good. But you have no prayer life. You have no worship life. You come in because everybody else runs to the front. Oh, I'm getting all in your business now. Bible says he comes back to the fire. He comes back to the fire. He comes back to the Listen, this is cool. This is cool. David opens his mouth. David starts to ask questions. He says, hey, hey, what happens if I kill that giant? He was an entrepreneur. He's like, what do I get? And they go, look, dude, if you, if you kill Goliath... You know what's going to happen? You get to marry the princess and she's hot. And you don't have to pay taxes. 
you get to ride a white horse? He asked three times. Look what the Bible says right here. This is so cool. This is critical. First Samuel 17, 28. Now Eliab, his oldest brother, when he spoke, don't ask, listen to me tell you, the best way to know you're anointed is when you start having a vision and everyone you thought would believe in it don't. When there's no way, there's Yahweh. Look what it says. And now Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men. And Eliab's anger was aroused against David. And he said, why'd you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep? It sounds like a pastor's conference. Where's your little youth group? We're the generals. We're sitting around the fire. We know how to do this. We know how to conquer the Goliath. I've been a David. I've walked into youth pastor's conferences with the smallest youth group and just stand in the corner. What it's like to pastor in Juanita while I was at Southeastern. And literally, I'd drive around the neighborhood. I'd drive around the neighborhood with this thing on my car saying, come to my youth group. I know what it's like to get a word from God and show up. And nobody show up. It's awkward. Where'd you leave those few sheep? I know your pride, the insolence of your heart, for you have come down to to see the battle. And David said, what have I done now? Then this is the only time you'll find this one verse in in the whole Bible. The only time it says, isn't there a cause? The devil will always accuse you of three things when you get ready to do something for God. He'll always tell you that you're worthless. You're full of pride. You're just a... Just a spectator. You're just wallpaper. See, there's so much that I don't understand. I was watching SpongeBob this morning. I do not understand how Sandy the squirrel puts that thing on and gets in the water. I looked at Abby, my daughter, and I said, how does she do that, Abby? And Abby goes, I don't know. How does Patrick pull his head off? I don't know. Patrick. Just when I thought my name was cool, we have SpongeBob. Is there not a cause? I could tell you stories, man. Thousands of students. Psalm 53, verse 2 says, God looks down from heaven. See, there's so much I don't understand. From the, uh, uh, heaven on the sons of men to see if there are any who understand, any who seek God. See, I can't understand why a nation believes it's okay to kill babies. I, I don't understand how marriages can, can, can fall apart. I, cause God can make it better and better. I don't, I don't ignore, I, I mean, I don't understand how, how, how nations can ignore morals and vote with their pockets and, and how girls can think they're uglies and boys are, can think they're worthless. Uh, I don't understand how a dad can leave his family. I don't get that it does not i don't understand how you can judge somebody by the color of the skin when the only color that matters is the color red i don't understand i don't understand how somebody can kill themselves and take their life from us i don't don't understand church splits i don't understand walking with no passion i don't understand cutting yourself when he was already cut for you i don't understand psalm 73 when i tried to understand it was oppressive to me i don't understand harming children and some freak in a locker room at penn state i don't understand that I don't understand raping. I don't understand rewriting God's word when he says, if you do that, you're going to hell. I don't understand preaching. There's no hell and there's no such thing as sin. When Romans 11, 29, God says, I thank God for his goodness and his discipline. I understand these freaks that are rewriting the Bible right now. When God says, you don't understand, I'm not making you serve me. I don't send anybody to hell. You choose whether or not you want me. I don't understand no vision. I don't understand how you can't hear the screams of people in, in hell. See, but I do understand. Listen, I'm about done. I understand we have a cause. 
write that down. I understand I have a cause. I, I understand I'm, I'm going somewhere with God. Psalms 119.27 Help me understand these things inside and out so I can sponder, so I can ponder. Turn that down just a little bit in the monitor. Your miracle wonders. My sad life's dilapidated, a falling down barn. Build me up again by your word. Barricade the road that goes nowhere. Grace me with your clear revelation. I choose the true road to somewhere. I post your road signs at every curve and every corner. I understand time is short. I know what it's like for a tornado, 336 tornadoes to land in my, my state. I know what it's like for a tornado to come right towards my house after destroying my brother's town. My brother passes an incredible multicultural independent church of thousands in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. A tornado landed there and left six mile deep, one mile wide, killing hundreds. Then it came towards my city. When that tornado, Cindy Jacobs told me God was, when I told her about this, she said, God's visiting your house right now, Pat. But when that tornado came towards my city, began to come towards my house, and they began to scream, my neighborhood, get down. I walked outside to look at it because I'm a redneck, and you just got to be able to look at a tornado. I mean, I like, I was, ah! But all of a sudden, laying in my front yard the next day was a letter from heaven. It fell out of a book, I guess written in 1974, called Armageddon, the Middle East New Oil Crisis. Standing in my front yard holding this letter I found laying there and it just said topping even these disasters will come a worldwide war I went up to my prayer room and I shook for two hours. It was the night David Wilkerson a man I love speaking for in New York City It was that it was that night when I'm shaking in my prayer room. I said God why did this land in my yard? One other lady found something. It was an old hymn called he's coming soon I said, Lord, what do you want me to do with this? He said, tell a generation I'm coming back. I'm looking for somebody that's pure. I understand what it means to rescue a life from hell. I understand what it means to walk into an orphanage and my little girl get handed to Karen and I. And all of a sudden she's eight months old and she says, Baba. Now she's called to shake the nations. Understand that I'm not my own. C.T. Stud said this. He said, some wish to live within the sound of chapel bells. I wish to run a rescue mission within the yard of hell. I love what somebody said. He said, when we forget ourselves, we usually do something that everyone else remembers. When we forget ourselves, we usually do something that everybody else remembers. I understand that God's calling will cost me everything. He is no fool who gives up what he can never keep to gain what you can't lose Jim Elliot I gotta close I understand he said to me the other day he said it's time for the lions to weep and the lambs to roar I'm writing a sermon about it right now I understand I have no right to ignore the call I love William Booth my hero greatest youth pastor in history William Booth said it best Not called, you say? Not heard the call, I think you should say. Put your ear to the Bible and hear him who bid you and go and pull sinners out of the fire of sin.
Put your ear down to the burden, agonizing heart of humanity and listen to its pitiful wail for help. Go stand by the gates of hell. I wake up at night hearing screams. See, I, only, I know I only get one life to make a difference. John Keith Falconer said, I have but one candle of life to burn. I would rather burn it out in a land filled with darkness than in a land flooded with light. Jesus said in John 20, 21, he said, my father sent me, so now I got to send you. The problem is you can't be going when all you do is play Xbox and Twitter and text. And I understand my burden can overwhelm me. Bob Pierce said, let my heart be broken for the things that breaks God's heart. When I stood in front of hundreds of students last week in Singapore and I said, how many of you are first generation Christians? That means you're the only Christian in your house. 90% of them raised their hands and it was hundreds. And I just started weeping because they have to trip over Buddhists and trip over Hindu idols when they go home every day. And they just raise their hand like it was normal. 90% of hundreds of students. And I just started crying because follow me, follow me, follow me. I got The only thing I ever really faced was, was at 12 years old, I took a gun out of my mom's hand when she tried to commit suicide. And then at my house last Thanksgiving, she went home and tried to do it again but but i mean i know what it's like my dad's a pastor but my mom just doesn't want to live and so i I know what it's like to walk into a mental hospital at 12 and see my mom behind some rubber doors screaming see i know what that's like i've been through some things i know what it's like for the holy ghost to enter in and completely set her free but see follow me i know what it's like to be driving down to visit my uh, to go speak at a university last year and, and and I stopped to see my mom and she's tied to the beds with scars ripped out of her arms and she's a cutter and I walk in and it's 5.30 in the morning I gotta go speak at a university in Texas brilliant minds in this big university and I said hey, mom I drove I canceled my flight I wanted to come and see you first and I walk in and she said someday will you let me preach about my scars I said yeah baby I understand that God cannot emanci- or that man cannot emancipate me from what God has called me to do. God's gifts and calling are irrevocable. You know, the best way to know you're called to preach is you wake up thinking about it, go to bed thinking about it, and everything that happens to you will be a great sermon illustration. If you ignore it, <laughs> you're going to be a mean board member. i got to close. David Livingston said, If a commission by an earthly king is considered an honor, how can a commission by a heavenly king be considered a sacrifice. Augustine, one of my favorite writers, he's an early church writer, he said, Hope has two beautiful daughters. Their names are anger and courage. Anger at the way things are and courage to seek so that they do not, courage to see so that they do not remain. I understand there's a cry going out. I was out jogging this morning. I'm praying in tongues. I scared some people because I sound so Islamic. And I'm like, and I'm just praying and I'm jogging. And sometimes I see old people go, I think he's got a bomb. And um, it happened today. I was out running and, and God said, tell them, tell them, I'm calling them. Is there not a cause? That's what he told me. He said, I'm not looking for those that finish the race first, Pat. I'm looking for those that can finish, that can run across the finish line with a finish line with a limp called brokenness. I'm done right here. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. 
seven rules for your cause and I'll just say them and I'm done number one your cause will find you David was just delivering bread just going to check on his brothers when he heard the voice of a giant number two the king's heard about you you're not an accident you're not an oops you're not a nobody Saul calls David in 2 Samuel 17 31 when David was overheard and reported to Saul and Saul sent for him all of a sudden Saul looks at him and says what makes you think you can kill this giant he said well it's kind of cool because one day I was out in the field with my sheep that stink and bite and I was leading worship and all of a sudden the bear came out and I killed it it was awesome it was like I, I made you a rug and then a lion came out and I killed it here's the problem turn the music down Here's the problem. The Bible says, be sober and diligent for your devil, your adversary, devil, your adversary seeks to pounce on you like a roaring lion. First Peter 5, 8. We never talk about the bear. The bear is the thing in your life that hibernates and only comes out when it's hungry. And the only way to defeat it is play dead. And when you kill the lion and the bear, when you conquer those things in your life, that thing that pounces on you and that thing that hibernates. And the only way that you can defeat the bear is to play dead when it comes along. Because it comes out when it's hungry. And then all of a sudden, you'll find yourself facing giants. Listen, I'm done. First Samuel 17, 36, I killed a lion and a bear. I mean, I'm like, because seriously, I think I can kill that giant. You know that God's the lost, the God of lost causes. It's Psalms 88. God, you're my last chance of the day. I spend the night on my knees before you put me on your salvation agenda. Take notes on the trouble I'm in. I've, here he comes. Here comes the presence of God. He just hit the room. He just fell. I just felt him hit the room. I just felt him hit. He's going to hit. He's going to let you start hearing the cries of the lost. He's going to let you start feeling what your family feels. It's not safe. You're going to feel it. I need you to get ready. I need you to feel his presence. Here he comes. He just told me he's here. This happens everywhere we go where students start running to the altar. I don't know why that happens. I'm camped on the edge of hell. I'm written off as a lost cause. You know what I've learned? God will bring the fight to you. It's my wife when she starts hearing a baby crying in another nation. And she says, we're supposed to go to China. David heads out to battle. His family's sitting behind rocks. They're hiding and they're going, are you serious? What's that little punk doing? David, I'm going to kick your tail when we get home. If you live. Meanwhile, the Philistine, 1 Samuel 17, it says, with his shield bare in front of him, kept coming closer to him. And the Philistine gets ticked off. I love it when nobody's make the devil mad. Listen to me. I'm done right here. I'm listen, 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 listen. Here comes his presence. And David walks over and grabs five smooth stones. Five smooth stones. The stones, the stones, the stones. He had a shepherding rod. And on a shepherd's rod was all the markings of everything he had killed. And, and he has the five smooth stones. And the five smooth stones. He, he picks them up in First Samuel 17:40. And see, when David was sitting around the campfire, God was already drying the stones. Why do you pick up five, Pat? For Goliath and his four brothers. You know what their names mean? I got them written on these stones right here. Goliath's name means captivated by splendor. It means ravaging spirit. Saf. Killer on the doorsteps. Go ahead quickly. Madon is strife. These are his brothers. Ishpanab. One who inhabits and destroys. And, and, and then the last one is Lami. 
to devour and make war. So if you put the five stones together, you know what it means? When David grabbed five stones, this is why he grabbed the five stones. Because the five stones literally mean ravaging spirits that are on your doorstep full of strife that inhabit, devour, and make way. And God is saying, I'm looking for somebody to get in the middle of the river and pick up the stones and start killing the giants in your life. God says, I'm looking for somebody that will stand up, that will stand up and pick up the slingshot. You're not getting this. In other words, the stones represented what you're called to kill. You have to kill the familiar spirits. It's Leviticus 19.31. Give no regard to medians and familiar spirits. What are you talking about? Living sacrifices, Romans 12.1. What do you mean? Remember who you fight for. Here's David. He walks out to the battlefield. My parents don't believe in me. All I got is a rag and some rocks. Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. Here comes the glory. Don't talk. Don't talk. Here comes his glory. He's standing there and there's this ten and a half foot giant telling him he's a failure. He's an idiot. The seed of Satan. He picks out the Goliath stone. The ravaging spirit that's conquering Israel. It isn't time for the other things. His men would kill them later. A kid, a kid that's been shunned by his family and nobody. And David said to the Philistine, You come with me in sword and spear, but I come against you in his name. His name. The name higher than all other names. It's time to catch a battle and do battle. It's time to conquer. And first Samuel seventeen forty-eight is the Philistine moved closer to attack him. David ran quickly towards the battle, reaching into his bag. He grabbed the Goliath, the ravaging spirit stone. So David triumphed over the Philistine. David ran and chopped his head off and drug it 41 miles and planted it in a hill called Golgotha, Goliath of Gath, so that it would prove that Genesis 3.15, that he shall, you shall, he shall bruise your head, devil, and you shall bruise his heel. And then Jesus, the seed of, say, the seed of David would come and also destroy Satan in the spiritual. David, uh, David did it in the physical. Jesus did it in the spiritual. I'm looking for somebody in here in this room. But we keep dropping the stone. We keep dropping the rock upon my rock. Lift your hands in the air. Everybody! He woke me up at 2.30 in the morning and said, Get up, get up, get up. I'm going to give you a sermon for the youth convention. Jesus, I'm tired. Get up, Pat. Get up. I gotta talk to you. He starts telling me this whole thing I just preached. 
Here comes his presence. I'm warning you. Here it comes. Here it comes. Here it comes. I'm warning you. If you have sin in your life or you're backslidden, tell him you're sorry. I'm sorry, Jesus. Say, I repent of all my sin. Say this out loud, I'll break up. I'll break up. Say it out loud. I break up. Say it out loud. I break up. With the ravaging spirits. Raise one hand and say I will. From the front to the back, in the back, in the back, in the back, in the back. If you're not standing, get up. I don't care if you're tired. Get up, get up. He was tired on the cross, but he hung in there. If you're a, if you're a lamb in this place and you never roared, I want you to get ready to roar, roar. If you're a lion who runs your mouth all the time and you got big teeth, but you haven't wept in a while, get ready. You're going to weep. With your hands raised, say, I will. Now raise the other hand and say, surrender. Hold on one second. Hold on just just for one second. Pray this out loud. Today, my giants are going to fall. Jesus, bruise the devil's head. Here comes the heavy part. I'm warning you. It's going to get real heavy. I need to warn you. You may not be able to eat lunch. I'm warning you. I'm warning you. It's going to get weird. I'm warning you. It's going to get really weird. Say, God, now listen, only say what I say to say. Say, God, I want a cause. Let me hear the screams of the lost. Say, God, let me feel I crucify with you. I fellowship in your sufferings. Let me feel what my friends, family, classmates, all that are not saved on this Saturday morning. If I fellowship in your sufferings and feel what you feel, let me feel with the lost that I'm called to are feeling right now. Good job.
to the back God wants to fill you with his spirit so you can live it if you've not been baptized in his spirit he's going to give you a prayer language right now everywhere we go everybody gets it you can't mess it up you can't screw it up if you don't get it it's okay but he wants to give it to you hands raised now everybody in the house God's going to baptize you in the Holy Ghost the language between you and him what if I don't get it it's okay can I mess it up no can I go to heaven without it yes what do I need it for school nine times in the book of Acts 1 Corinthians 12 and 14 he gives you a language Pastor Bonky told me back in January we must change a generation's tongue it's the most vile generation that's ever lived if we get him baptized in the Holy Ghost we'll see Joel 2.28 that's what Reinhard Bonky told me in an all day private meeting here in Florida listen to me right now raise your hands say God fill us with fire are you ready here it comes in Jesus name everyone in the house pray in the spirit now pray pray it's the sword would turn your tongue from the wrong end of the sword a blunt object praying in tongues turn your your tongue into a sword for the spirit no more beating people with the head of the sword but instead out of his mouth could come a double-edged sword of which he shall judge the nations pray hold on one more time I'm sorry hold on just once more I'm sorry Hold on, no music, hold on. Hands raised. Say God. Is there not a cause? When I open your eyes and look at me. Say God. When I shut my eyes, give me a vision. It's promised in the last days. I'll have visions. When I shut my eyes, let me see the lost. Shut your eyes now. begin to do your hand like this and say no more ravaging spirits say Goliath you're going down throw Jesus fall on your face and cry out to the king fall on your face and cry out to the king now
give me my mom, give me my dad, give me my sister.
I don't want to lose you when I, before I walk on campus. I don't want to lose you in the backseat of a car on a Friday night. I'm not dropping the rock no more. But I'm going to walk the battle and say, you ravaging spirit. I don't come against you with sword and spear. But I come against you in the name of the Lord Most High God. Say it with me.
Jesus said, it 